You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. And yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Everything seems to be going well. The world's, you know, not going great, but we're doing okay. My world's on fire. How about yours? Well, that's the way I like it. And I'll never get bored. <laughs> uh, speaking of not getting bored, one person that I'm not bored with ever is Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah. Who apparently crashed a right-wing event posing as a racist country singer. Was it one of his characters from uh, This Is America, do you know? I'm not sure if it's if it's one of those characters or not, but uh, apparently he's in Washington, D.C., and he encouraged the crowd to chant along to his lyrics uh, about liberals getting chopped up or injected with the Wuhan flu. <laughs> <laughs> he tricked organizers of Saturday's event by the Three Percenters Militia Group, uh, not not sure who those are, by producing a last-minute big-money donation. And they call him a professional prankster, I guess. Never yank a prankster. That's right. Prank you. Sasha Baron Cohen, you're my hero. <laughs> anyway, so... I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. What do you, I don't know if he filmed it. I don't know if it's. I don't know if they're doing another well, I, season I, of that uh, show. I, I can't imagine he does anything without filming it. Right? No kidding. He's incredibly entertaining, but also he likes to he likes to let everyone know what he's doing for sure. The the other the other show. show. <laughs> the other thing that I have from page six, by the way, since we're disclosing things is the Golden Girls, an episode which apparently they say it's blackface, whatever. But yeah, I, I saw that. That's ridiculous. But it's being pulled from, from Hulu. It, like, it's... I know the, the episode they're talking about, they come out, it's somebody... I think it's... I can't remember who it is. I think it's um, Dorothy's son, right? Dorothy's son's marrying, uh, planning on marrying yeah. a, a woman named... Uh, I can't remember, but she's black, but she's older. And B. Arthur, you know, her character is worried about like the age difference, but then the black family's worried about the fact that there are different races. And at one point, Blanche and Rose come out because they've been u- using a mud facial treatment. And Rose says, the, uh, This is mud. We're not really black. And it's like. Yeah, that's the joke. They're not doing blackface. It's mud. It's just, it's so stupid. Yeah. The, like uh, the one guy I mentioned before, Cody Johnston, who who does uh, a show, he put on Twitter, he said, uh, protesters start writing defund the police. And then I don't know how people do this, but he does a little like cross out thing. And then it says, uh, you know, fix a 30 year old television show. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that's not what people want people that are protesting like about uh george floyd and, and stuff like that they don't they don't want to change the golden girls not what people are looking for it's like these are really so that's like these are really easy simple things this is a, this is a new hotness of uh, finding examples of uh white people wearing blackface mm-hmm. started with jimmy kimmel where he did carl malone which i 
I honestly see. I, I don't feel that every instance of blackface is racist. Is agreed. Uh, as frightening and shocking as that is to young people these days. I mean, right. He, he was just doing it to, to mock Carl Malone. I mean, it was mostly his mannerisms. I mean, would it, would someone complain if he was a white guy saying I'm Carl Malone? Probably. Yeah. No kidding. But yeah, it, it's so it's so stupid to me because, uh, like you know the the tweet the- Jimmy Fallon I think uh, dress which at the time I, I I don't know why he did this but he, he kind of wore blackface to pretend to be Chris Rock at one point. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that. But yeah, I agree with you. There are, there's a time and a place. There are instances where it might work. There are instances where it might not work. Whatever the point is, is changing things like this. You know, pulling out, pulling out, pulling an episode of 30 Rock or pulling an episode of the Golden Girls or shaming someone for doing blackface, you know, 25 years ago or whatever. Those are things that are really easy to do that change nothing. <laughs> and and that's that's the problem. It, like it doesn't if you if you're a person that believes that there is systemic racism in uh in the country that hurts black people which there is um then you want to there there are things you can do to change that there are things there they're not easy but there are things that we can do or things that we can push for that actually changes the system and makes things more fair for everybody but removing an episode of the golden girls doesn't do any of that that's that's my that's my point. That's that's Most my. Most of them are dead, anyways. Yeah, exactly. And who cares? Like that. If the like you said, this is an instance where it's the joke is that Rose is dumb. Not not that they're doing blackface. Like that's that, that dumb pe- person would think they were trying to do blackface. So mm-hmm. here we have it being removed because dumb people think it's blackface. Congratulations, you've become the joke. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's you are literally that's line up this joke. That's my problem with it. it or my big problem with it anyway is that it's it, it's lip service. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. And focus your your priorities on things that actually make significant changes. Because that's the the only other real big entertainment. Because you know it's coronavirus time, so there's not much in this way of entertainment news. But most of what everybody's talking about's been uh, some variation of that. I chose the Golden Girls because I happen to like the Golden Girls. I've never, I've only seen I think one episode of Thirty Rock, so the one where they have the reunion for Night Court. Didn't uh, Tina Fey write most of uh, the episodes of Thirty Rock? Yeah. So she wrote these episodes with blackface in them, and now she's upset about them after she's profited off of them. Apparently, yeah, she got the money, so she's <laughs> now it's not. She, she's going to give that back, right? <laughs> You would think so. The from what I've heard, and like I said, I've I've never watched the show. But from what I've heard, you, you know, obviously Tina Fey's liberal, Alec Baldwin's also liberal. But from what I've heard, the show is meant to la- like satirize both the right and the left. Because I guess Alec Baldwin's character is this like archetypical Republican and everything, and Tina Fey's character, who's a liberal is supposed to be just as bad, but just in in more insidious and like less able to see ways, like in less apparent ways. If that's the case, I mean, cool for being self-aware and, you know, being able to to show the hypocrisy of your own beliefs. Like I said, I've never seen the show. That's based on a couple people that I've talked to. 
So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's what I've heard. And if that's the case, then the blackface thing, I would assume, would fall into what she was talking about. So I don't know why you'd want to get rid of that. You were making a point with it. Now you're going to get rid of it? I don't know. Makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. The, the other thing is, is there's a bunch of voice actors who have decided to step down from voicing people of color who are who happen to be white. Like Mike Henry uh, with Cleveland Brown on The Family Guy or whatever. And I think uh, the Simpsons also did the same thing. So no more uh, Apu by Hank Azaria. And I can't remember. We'll still get the same. We'll get the same racist portrayal, but with a person of color, though, right? Exactly. Yep. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> you've you've uh, once again, you and me are in lockstep of thought. You've hit the nail exactly on the head of what I was thinking about it. It's like that's and again, again, the most important question is how is the Simpsons still on? Who is watching this? I don't know who. Yeah, I have no idea. Are people just? I think the audience mostly is coma patients now in hospitals. Are they just leaving the TV on after NFL games in the fall, and that's where they're getting all the ratings from? I guess so, because I really don't know who's watching it anymore. Oh, the Simpsons. Yeah, no clue. I don't know who's watching Family Guy anymore either, honestly. Yeah, same same with that. I don't I don't know. And Cleveland was never really portrayed. He's black, but he's not there's no he's just a dude. Like it doesn't I don't know. This is also anecdotal. But there was a a black voiceover actor when they when Mike Henry announced it on Twitter, uh there a black voiceover actor was like, Hey, I you know, whatever decision you want to make, that's fine, but I don't think you need to do this. Uh, I'm black, and I have portrayed white characters as well as black characters. The great thing about being a voice actor is it doesn't matter what you look like, what how how fat or thin you are, what color you are, what what you know if you have a big nose or a small nose, none of it matters because it's your voice. So he said, I don't think it's necessary, but you know whatever, do you? I guess. <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe there are people of color who are voice actors who are getting passed over for jobs i don't know i don't know how mike how uh what's his name mike henry got that that job i don't know if he's friends with seth mcfarlane or what who knows yeah i don't know but anyway so that's the the news for that's the outrage of the week yep that's what we should that's what we should name the news segment now outrage of the week Speaking of Outrage of the Week, I'm sure you've heard of this one. Uh, the GK Rowling uh, Stephen King dust up on the Twitter.com. Absolutely, yes. I commented on that on Twitter. Did you? Yeah. Stephen King. So for those of you that don't know, J.K. Rowling has been accused of being a turf, which for those of you that don't know, I didn't know. Trans, trans exclusionary radical feminist. That's what it stands for. So it's a feminist... That is that excludes trans people from their movement and, and equality and stuff like that. Basically, J.K. Rowling posted this thing about how she said is a woman and being a woman's a special thing, and they've been oppressed for a long time, and she you know fights for women's rights, and having trans women being identified as women hurts the cause of feminism somehow. I don't know. And she posted this screed, and then Stephen King retweeted one single part of it 
of this whole thing, basically just saying about women's rights and, and everything. And somebody said, and then he posted a, a, totally something else about a movie or something I think he was watching. And somebody on there said, hey, Stephen King, you retweeted J.K. Rowling's thing. Why don't you tell us if you think trans women are women? And he responded, yes, trans women are women. <laughs> that was his only response. And then someone else was like, why are you fucking, you know, propping her up and everything? And I responded to, it's almost like he can be friends with people that have different points of view as him. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird uh, concept that is. Great. But yeah, I, I, did, heard, uh, I heard all did about Dean it. Coots chime in? I think Dean Koontz thinks that women are actually cats. I don't know. <laughs> He writes no, a lot about cats and dogs. Fucking right? do- no dogs. He's got every. Oh my god! Fucking Dean Koontz and his goddamn dog. Like he, every <laughs> fucking picture on the back of his book is him with stupid dogs. <laughs> no one cares that much about your dogs, dude. Sorry. First of all, he's totally fucking that dog. <laughs> Absolutely. The quote, uh, uh, "Dirty work, sort of." Yep. No, he's totally doing that dog. Um. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Any, uh, any, any. You want to make any comments about whether trans women are women? <laughs> or Biologically, would you, or would I mean, you, I, I or would you like to stay I out mean, of it? Do you want me to go by science or fantasy? No, go by science. Let's let's do science this time. Well, everybody knows that scientifically speaking, if you say something, it'll make the biological portion of your body alter to mm-hmm. become what you say. Agreed. Like the other day, my uh, seven-year-old said she was a dragon. Much to my surprise, she grew wings, flew out of the house, and started breathing fire everywhere. <laughs> now, what if they get the surgery, though? Are they then women? I, I I don't know how that would change your DNA. Gotcha. All right. I mean, again, this. I mean, I don't. If anybody's upset by my opinion, why why even care about it? I mean, I I, I have not. This does not affect me in any way. Mm-hmm. My opinion should not affect you in any way. Call yourself wherever you want, but I I mean it, it doesn't it's not something that especially matters to me and that's not a hateful thing. It's just it's just not something that really not not something I ever really think about. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, you know, that I guess that's we don't have to worry about it because we're not transgendered. And again, I'm sorry, but you can't just alter like we've said before with like, you know, especially when it comes to combat sports, you know, if you're a woman or if you're a man for thirty years and then you suddenly, you know, say, Hey, I'm a woman, even you start taking hormones and stuff you still have a biological advantage over, you know, every other woman. So science would say that you're probably not a woman. But if you want to call yourself that, I don't care. Do whatever you want. It doesn't affect me in any way. Right. Yeah, I that's the that's the that's the but area. I'm not forced to play along with your own, you know, your own not a fantasy, but I mean, you can't I mean, you, you can't just you can't alter reality at your whim. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. That's the the thing I worry about is the sports thing. Especially combat sports. Yeah, I mean, it, it's shitty in, in regular sports, like, you know, like shot put or any, like, you know, strength-related sports. I'm sorry, men are stronger than women. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, not every woman. Uh. Right. But, I mean, yeah, when you're physically, uh, you know, interacting in a violent way with somebody else, that's, that's a bad idea. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so, Mike, are I you... I turned into fucking NPR for the past half hour. Are you a radical feminist, too? <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. I don't either. I have no idea. What's a rad? I don't know. Someone, someone, write in and tell us what a radical feminist is. Is it ever a good idea to describe yourself as a radical unless it involves skateboarding? Right. 
Oh my god, yeah. Unless you're Raphael from uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I guess. That's one of my favorite like internet gifts. It shows like a a guy, like a Muslim guy, like you know, wearing like I don't know what it's called, like the full like till your like you know ankles kind of like you know covering or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like at a pool, like doing like some sweet sweet tricks on a skateboard. He goes radical Islam. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah, you, you can find it pretty easily looking it up. It's, it's hilarious. Oh my god! Oh, I can't wait to see that. Radical Islam. All right, you ready to get into the Parents Guide game here? Yeah. All right. So I got this. I got this movie for you. Uh, again, I mean, I, I can never be sure you you've seen any movie. Unless we've seen it together and I somehow remember that we saw it together. Because <laughs> I don't remember every movie we've seen together. But I'm I'm pretty confident you've seen this movie at least once. So What movie? <laughs> one day that's going to work. <laughs> I know. Um, Alright, so sex and nudity. Uh, light sexual tension between two characters leads to them making out at the end of the movie. And the main characters cheering them on. Well, Fight Club? No. <laughs> All right, let's see. Profanity. Uh, several light, several lights. Profanities throughout, including uh, "damn." Uh, a few scenes where characters put down slash diss each other. By calling each other schoolyard style names, sissy, freak, idiot, etc. Hackers. No. One use of the word bitchin', but again, so quick you'll miss it. Inappropriate uses of God and hell. Airborne. No, oh man. Airborne. A great, great movie that probably isn't. Uh, I've seen it. <laughs> so you know what it isn't. Two, se- two scenes that show teen drinking, smoking, gambling, and fighting. The Outsiders? No. Alright, let me go to... Let me go to some violence and gore here. <laughs> I can't read that. Uh, the end fight is intense. And may upset younger viewers. Is this Scott Pilgrim versus the world or whatever it's called? No. Uh, here we go. Here's one. Uh, one of the main characters, or one of the one of the important characters in the movie, is captured by the foot. Oh well, that's an obvious one with the foot. It's TMNT one or two, I think it. I thought I thought I was gonna mess you up by by you just thinking he was captured by the his actual foot. Nope. Yeah, it's TMT one. Yeah, I've seen it, but I, I don't remember shit about that movie. The the one. Let's see. Oh yeah, the sex and nudity. Uh, the light sexual tension, but the, there there is one scene where a Donatello makes a joke about Casey being claustrophobic. And Casey thinks he is making a gay joke, but it is played so quickly, blink, and you'll miss it. 
<laughs> These people with the IMDb game, I'm telling you. So you haven't seen that TMT movie uh, more than a couple times? No, I really have. I think I've seen it maybe. Tw- I think my my oldest daughter liked it a little bit when she was little, but I haven't really seen it a lot, no. I've seen it a few times, um, but I didn't love it that much when I was younger because I liked the... See, here's the thing. I didn't read the comic books first. I watched the TV show first, and the TV show is very different than the comics, and the movie is a little bit more, I suppose, with the the tenor of the comic books. Comic books are a little darker or whatever. And so I didn't love it because I liked the TV show so much. So I I, I didn't like I didn't like Raphael being all angry and shit. I was like, why isn't he sarcastic? He's my favorite one. Right. My favorite was uh, always alternating between Michelangelo and uh, Donatello. Michelangelo because I like color orange a lot. And, and uh, uh, Donatello because you like to fuck machinery. <laughs> I just, I, I just kind of like uh, that he had like a bow staff. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I always thought that was funny. Donatello does machines. Donatello has yeah. a real doll. Right. Uh, Donatello starring in Cherry 2000. Right. Fills the tub with jizz. Oh, my God. Anyway. All right. Mine, I, I feel that you've seen this, but I don't know for sure. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll figure it out. All right. One character is a male prostitute and attempts to solicit the other characters. Ooh, uh, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. No. All right. Several women flash their breasts. It is made to seem an accident while falling over and continually pulling down dresses slash shirts slash etc. We've all seen that when ladies fall down and accidentally pull each other's chops off. Oh, um, man, that sounds very familiar. Um, hmm. uh, road trip? No. A man wakes up naked next to a dead animal. Hmm. Next to a dead animal. Uh, that's, let's see. The Kentucky Fried Movie. No. Two characters are taken away and shot. Not shown, but the shots are heard. Hmm. Taken away and shot. Um. I'm gonna go with another. Uh, another. Freaking what's his name? Zucker Brothers. Yeah. The the animal. No. <laughs> A man is shown on his deathbed. Um, dirty work? No. All right. A or several references to an old woman. (laughs) Several references to an old woman used to be a whore. Oh, oh, um, fuck. I know what this is, too. Damn it. Are (sighs) we playing or not? (laughs) Um,. Ah, it's a comedy. Um, no, it's not that one. Damn it. Um, I don't know. There's something about Mary. No. Let's see. I got a couple more clues. 
A fairly strong sex scene, alternating between a thin woman and a fat woman, shows a thinner woman's breasts and bare back, and there are various implied actions slash sexual dialogue throughout this scene. Huh. It's, it's not shallow hell. Nope. Hmm. I'm going to read these two. This should help. If you don't know it by these, I don't think you know it. The entire movie is focused on mass consumption of beer. One character smokes pot. At the end of the film, they meet Willie Nelson in Amsterdam and go to a pot smoking contest. Oh, um, Beer Fest. Beer Fest. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that movie for sure. Yeah, I, I really like. I thought that's a. I really like that movie. It's probably my second favorite of all the uh, Broken Lizard movies. Yeah, I like that. I, that it might be my favorite. It's it's up there. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it's it's very funny. I like that movie a lot. Take check out Broken Lizard, guys. Super Troopers changed my life. I assume. I mean, I assume my life would have been at least slightly different if I hadn't seen it. Probably. All right. Speaking of things being slightly different, uh, this week we're actually going to continue. Ooh, Sidway. We're actually going to continue with something. Uh, we watch The Watchmen. Who watches The Watchmen? We watch The Watchmen. Episode two of The Watchmen, as the title will tell you. Mike. The Watchmen, second episode. We find out some things. I'll tell you what. Uh, so Sister Night, it starts where it ended, uh, where the first episode ended, where she sees the chief's body uh, hung up on the tree. Mr. Lou Gossett Jr. says, oh, I did it, basically. <laughs> she takes him back to the bakery and kind of you know interrogates him. Pretty yeah, light. We, pretty light. We do have a, another opening scene that's, you know, again, with Watchmen, you always have to watch out. Uh, two important things in this entire series, oh, yeah, and I we keep coming back to these, are perspective and playing with the sense of time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this first part is uh, we see uh, a soldier for the American troops, World War One, one of the few all-black units. There's propaganda flying down, and actually notices from the first episode. Um, it's it's a it's a note the note that he gives a little boy he writes on the back of this flyer it's mm-hmm. a flyer basically saying you know there's racial injustice why are you fighting for these people yep of course it's it's World War One Germany so they're not super racist yet yeah exactly but I mean still I mean it's it's you know it, it makes a good point I mean much like a like a shit uh, Muhammad Ali said why should I you know fight the Vietnamese they've never done me any harm right exactly I mean why should anybody fight any war for somebody else that makes no sense. Especially in a country where, you know, as they point out, they're not, you know, they're not treated as as regular citizens. They're treated as second class citizens. But yeah, so it turns out to be uh, the boy's father. And, you know, like you said, he writes on the back of it, the the note. And yeah, there's a couple there's a couple parts in this episode that play with time like that. And that's, you know, obviously that's the first one. This episode, we learn a lot more about the White Knight. The White mm-hmm. Knight was Christmas Eve. Uh, yep. We see uh, Angela and uh, her husband Cal. They're like, you know, he's eagerly trying to, you know, convince her to let let him open up a present early. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they like right at the stroke of midnight, Christmas uh, Day, they, they hear a noise in the house. Uh, there's two men in the house. They're trying to kill Angela. We see them. You know, she stabs one of them. We see a shot, and then it flashes to her in a hospital room. She wakes up. Apparently, uh, forty officers and their families were targeted by the Seventh Cavalry, including Judd. Yeah, which is where he, where he. I mean, she's one of his officers, but she's one of the few surviving ones. So, you know, she wakes up to see him there. He's like, "Yeah, your husband's okay. A lot of the other officers are dead. I survived, and everybody else has resigned." So the entire force just gives up, which you know leads to a, a law that 
lets the police, at least in Tulsa, you know, hide their identities when they want to get new members. And that's where we get like the, the characters like Red Menace, uh, Looking Glass, mm-hmm. Sister Knight, because, you know, the detectives have like almost like their own special, like, you know, costume, whereas everybody else kind of wears, wears like the yellow bandanas. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're, they're Rorschach masked dudes. Like, like you said, they, they target the entire police force. So it's, you know, it's horrible and insidious. Yeah, the seventh Calvary. Her, her partner and his wife were killed. The kids lived, and we find out that the kids, their kids, and that's Topher at the beginning. Yeah, their kids are, you know, the kids that the they have now. Yet. Yeah, are the, and and I wondered. I, I was like, well, they must be adopted, obviously, because they're both black. But I didn't realize that the back that there was going to be that that was going to play a role in the actual show. So that was that was a really cool uh, thing that happened. I mean, not cool for the kids, but. Uh, <laughs> Awesome! <laughs> we get to be Sister Knight's kids now. Right. But yeah, we, we see, um, you know, she interrogates Will, like you said. Uh, she she kind of sneakily takes him his DNA. She wants to process, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's this Heritage Center set up about the whole Black Wall Street thing where you could, like, you know, due to the red Asians, you could put in, like, you know, they set up a whole program where the current Secretary of Treasury, maybe some kind of mm-hmm. government, you know, secretary... They'll like you know. There's like a customized message. You could test your DNA and that sort of thing. Uh, Will Will Will, Will uh, you know? He claims he's her grandfather. Says everybody, everybody, even Judd has skeletons in his closet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. So being a being a good friend of Judd, uh, you know, Angela shows up to the wake, and then you know uh, she she pretends to be kind of you know not feeling well. So they put him into her bedroom. She pretends to pass out. She finds a secret door in the closet, which has a KKK outfit with a sheriff's badge. Yeah. That was pretty shocking. Which, uh, which isn't what you want to see. No, not especially not from your friends. I thought one. Right, so she goes back. Uh, just real quick before you you finish with the uh, the summary though. I two things that I thought were well, actually just finish with the summary. Then I, I'll tell you. Like as we get into it, I'll tell you. Yeah. So after this, she goes back to Will. She goes, "How the hell do you know that?" But he won't. He won't explain it. And then so she's about to take him to the police station to arrest him for the murder, but. Right after she's pushed into her car, a giant electromagnetic device just kind of falls out of the sky and yanks it away. Yep. <laughs> and we see a, a piece of paper fall out. It's the propaganda from the beginning that on the back it says, watch over this boy. So it does connect, obviously, you know, his father to Will Reeves, that, you know, and then it kind of like, you know, for the first episode, we reaffirm that this is the same young, same young man from the Tulsa riots at the beginning who kind of escaped. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you want to see what we're going to say now? Because there's another part that's uh, kind of separate. Well, the so the two things... First of all, I thought it was brilliant of her to go to the because she doesn't want to bring the DNA to the presumably the police could test it, but she doesn't oh, want to. Oh, bring I, forgot, it. I, forgot. I think it's in this episode. One of my favorite lines is uh, he asked for coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, he goes, do you have any sugar? She goes, no. He goes, what kind of a bakery is it? <laughs> yeah. But she obviously doesn't want to bring it to the police office because she doesn't want to reveal she has him. She's, you know, she's trying to do this kind of on her own, figure out what the hell's going on here. And so she takes it there, you know, so she can test the DNA without it actually being in the system, which is, I think is brilliant. And then the other, very brilliant. And then the other scene I thought was great was uh, her in looking glass at the site where uh, Judd's been hanged and they're talking and everything. And and she says, you know, what are you interrogating me now? And he goes, why would I do that? And she says, because you're a cold bastard. And then he says, then why am I crying under here? And I was just like, like it's it's not overwrought. It's very flatly delivered, but there's a lot of meaning in the scenes, and 
you know, I, I just thought that was a, a brilliant scene between between those two. Yeah, I, I love. I think it's Tim Blake Nelson who plays Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. I love the character and his portrayal of the character is like you know excellent. There's so much great acting in the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 there's not at least a few winners of like you know Emmys or whatever it is for TV, then it, it's 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 a disservice because I mean, obviously, um, shit, Regina uh, Regina King yeah, alone yeah. is you know amazing in this. But I mean, there's so many good performances. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we do cut again to the this vast country manor. And, uh, oh, yes. In the, in the last episode, um, I believe he said he was going to start writing his play called The Watchmaker's Son. Mm-hmm. And uh, does he have cake in the I don't remember. Does he have cake in this one, too? Yes. And so, like, it, you know, it's like each cake, you know, the time he gets cake, it represents a year he's been here. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks play, I mean, for those who are familiar with the comics or even the shitty movie, um, it's re- basically this entire play is a reenactment of when uh, John Ostrom turned into Doctor Manhattan. Yep. So there's like he put like in in the comics there's like a weird like a uh, atomic like kind of test chamber or pardon me where it took mm-hmm. his uh, his body apart cell by cell. Mm-hmm. So in this uh, in the middle of you know the the mock they put Mister Phillips in there, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, Ozymandias like flips a switch and it's in center and he just burns the man to death. <laughs> Yeah. Like he just he just he just burns him until he dies and it's horrific. Everybody's like, you know, terrified, except you know, they want to still put on a good show. Miss Kirkshanks really cries. Right. And then we see uh we see Dr. Manhattan descending from the uh the ceiling and we take off his mask and it's uh Mr. Phillips. Yep, and everyone else that was uh standing around like playing the violin and stuff like that, they take off their masks and their other uh you know, Mr. Phillipses and other Mrs. Crookshanks. Right, and so he goes. He goes. Oh, will you take him to the cellar? He goes. How about you? Would you like to be Mr. Phillips? And he's like, yes, master. You know, he's, <laughs> he's kind of excited about that. Right. Yeah. This episode is titled. Uh, what is this one titled? It's uh, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. That's correct. Yep. Good guess. <laughs> yeah, you really pulled that one out. But yeah, very good episode. I believe. I believe that's a painting that's that's shown in uh, in Judd's you know house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, the, they they very very pointedly close up on that, obviously. Uh, to kind of and the painting itself is kind of like considered to be like uh, you know a Native American culture, you know, mm-hmm. being like you know ruined by colonialism. Yeah. So I mean, there's some people online who speculate that that's an indication that he actually is like you remember the KKK. I don't know, just because he has like this kind of imperialist like kind of painting, but. You know, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, you know, Angela even suspect. You know, what if it's like his great grandfather's? You know, these old like whites are kind of you know sentimental about this kind of shit. That that my assumption was that it came from one of his ancestors, and he didn't actually do it. Not that it makes it great, but right. doesn't necessarily mean he should get hanged for it either. But I'm assuming that we're going to find out other stuff about him, so we'll see. The other thing that I assume is, as you mentioned, uh, we get to see a portrayal of Dr. Manhattan, uh, in, you know, uh, 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 with the dong and all, you know, dong out and all. Um, and they talk about him a couple times. Uh, Willie, I think his name is, uh, Regina King's uh, grandfather, as we find out. Yeah, William Reeves. He... He says, oh, you know, I could be Dr. Manhattan. You know, Dr. Manhattan can look like people and stuff like that. And she's like, he can't look like us. And he's on Mars. And that just says to me, Dr. Manhattan's not on Mars. He's somewhere. He's one of these people. I don't know who he is, but he's he's somewhere in here. I, I would almost guarantee 
that you know he's somewhere on Earth and uh, just just uh, disguised as a human being. And I don't expect you to ruin it for me if if it is or isn't, but that's just that's my assumption because they talked about it too much for me to be like, oh, he's probably not going to be in this. I don't know if he's not. He might not show up to the very last episode, but I'll I'll bet you that that we find out he's somebody at some point. I need to find a good recapping of this because, like, I can't tell. I don't want to give stuff away that hasn't happened yet to those who haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of suspect some stuff has happened that I'm not sure of. So I don't. Again, I don't want to ruin anything. But yeah, very, another very strong episode. This oh, this yeah. show just c- completely builds upon itself each time. And like I mentioned before, if you rewatch it, it's even better because there's stuff just kind of going on in the background that's so subtle. You like it on the rewatch, like, oh shit, that that totally gave this away, but I never even suspected it. Yeah, there are some things that that I caught in the first episode, like the you know, the thing about the Vite uh being uh you know suspected to be dead and everything. Declared dead, yeah. And and some stuff like that that I kind of noticed. But in this episode I didn't really notice as much and I'm I don't know if it's because I was, you know, not I was like enwrapped in what was going on in the episode or probably more likely because this is just my first time viewing it. So there's there's probably a subtle stuff in the background that hints at future plot things that I haven't really that I don't, won't notice until I watch it again. Sure. And I probably yeah. will like you watch it again. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, once you f- watch it, maybe give it a week or two, and then rewatch it, and you'll like be shocked. At, like when, on the rewatch, I was even enjoying it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's it's it continues to be a very strong show, and like like you said, lots of there are lots of good scenes here. Even the the short scene of Regina King with um, Judd's wife, his widow. Is, Francis Fisher, I can't remember the character name, but yeah, yeah, it's a that's a very good scene too. You can see like the the love and the connection between the two of them, you know. But you can also kind of see that Regina King's holding back a little bit because you know she's and we meet uh, Senator Keene, who's running against Robert. Redford. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah, he's at the uh, he's at the um, the wake. Uh, he says he's an old friend. Uh, mm. From the comic, I believe the Keen Act is what initially made it illegal to be a vigilante. Yep, so that must right. be like an ancestor, father, or grandfather. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, Luke Gossett Jr. Yeah. says he's 105, I think. Yeah, 105. Which he looks great. I mean, I know he's not 105 in real life. but He's, he's got to be in his 80s, I would think. Yeah. And then he gets, he gets abducted by what looks like an alien. I mean, obviously... It's a friend of his. He smiles as it's happening, and he even tells her. He said, "Oh, you know, if you had br- if you had brought me in, I would I would have escaped anyway because I have friends in high places." He says, "Right, yeah, yeah." Yeah, another strong episode. Uh, I'm looking forward to you seeing the next one because I've already seen all these, and it's a brilliant show. Like I said, it's within my top four, if not top three, or even top two. Yeah, eighty four. You were right. Nineteen thirty six. He's eighty four years old. Yeah, that's, that seems about right. Good for you, Lou Gossett Jr. Still kicking. Yeah, obviously still very sharp to play this role. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's amazing. And I've always liked uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, he's mostly in things that involve flying jets, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's I like him. He's a good actor. And Jaws 3, I think he was in Jaws 3. Was he? I think so. The 3D one? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the episode for the week. Uh, but... Keep up with us. I'll be uh, releasing some 
some videos throughout the week from different different ones. We've got a TikTok now. So at Massive Late Fee on TikTok, check out our TikTok. Just another place to put videos, basically. Right. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a fan, check it out. And if you're not, become a fan and tell some people about the show. And write to us at MassiveLateFee at gmail.com so you can get on the uh, the 100th episode there and tell us. What is that? When even is that? Uh, it's probably going to be in about two months. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we've got, I think we're we're on episode eighty something. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, we got a ways. In a couple months, we'll we'll get there. But just preparing nice. people now, because I, I mean, I think we we have we have some mail, but it's not like we have we don't have like a you know hundreds of uh, of pieces of email there. We got a few, so. Just keep writing in, guys. You'll get on the show for sure. Cause like, like I said, it's not like we have thousands. We're we're a fairly popular show, but not. Uh, we don't have millions of listeners yet. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time. See. Right. You. Oh, happy Fourth of July to everybody out there. That's right. Uh, except for the British. Fuck you. <laughs> Mate. Fourth of July is a big uh, middle finger to you guys. Yeah, it's it's one of my two favorite holidays, the other being Halloween. Those are my two favorite holidays. It's funny. My my daughter and my wife and I were talking about that the other day. And she said that 4th of July was her favorite holiday, my six-year-old. And I said, really? I was like, that surprises me that that's what it is. But that is also my favorite holiday. And I said, my other favorite holiday, I'll bet you, is one that's, uh, that you like, too. And she said, I think, the she said Easter, I think. And then uh, Halloween. She uh, said Columbus Day. <laughs> Flag Day. Nice. But no, Armistice I, Day. E- Easter, they get candy too. So I, I, I yeah, see where it's she's. bullshit that they combine Armistice Day into Veterans Day. It's just be its own mm-hmm. separate thing for World War One. I. I agree. I, and I still call it Armistice Day every year. Kurt Vonnegut Jr.'s birthday. That's right. November 11th. But yeah, so yeah. that is. Uh, you we'll know what year? Uh, what year he was born? Or what year World War uh, what year? One ended? You know what year? Uh, every year. Uh, yes. Nineteen. Look into a train wreck halfway through there. Nineteen eighteen. Um, and he was born in twenty two. Was he okay? I was gonna guess somewhere in the twenties, but I didn't know the year. Ah, but that is our show. Well, we'll see you again on Armistice Day. Uh, until then, have a good week. Hopefully, before yeah. Bye.